We are in a season, and I would want us to be very cognizant of that, May, June, July, August. It's a prophetic season. And it's a season God would want you and me to take advantage of to enforce one thing, his word over our lives. I know that there are individual words we are carrying, i.e. prophecies that we have received from either the scripture or from a servant of God, and you know that God's word is truth. But it will not happen automatically just because God has spoken. There is something that God would want you and me to do as far as his word of our lives is concerned. He has told us generally this year, 2021, that is our year of glorious emergence. Can you say 2021? And here I would want you to personalize it. It's my year of glorious emergence. So in case you went down, in case you were overshadowed, in case you found yourself in the valley of the shadow of death, in case everything went out of order and it seemed there was no way out, God is telling you and me that this year you will emerge, not just emerge out of the hiding place, but you will emerge gloriously. That's God's word. You may not find it in scripture, but that is a prophetic word for you and me. So you personalizing it, you also have to know what to do with that prophetic word so that you experience it for yourself. Like we spoke about last Sunday when we said experience the prophetic for yourself. I remember when we were dealing with the foundational messages, especially in the year 2018, I did mention that faith is both a material for the foundation in the Christian life as well as a material for the building. In other words, from time to time, we'll be making reference to the subject of faith. Hallelujah. There are certain materials that are part of a foundation of a building you can never find it being a part of the finishing. Am I right? For instance, uh, roofing sheets are not part of the foundation. And yet, you know, at the top of your building, you see the glory and the beauty of different roofing sheets from various manufacturing companies. Is there any foundation that they put roofing sheets, you know, into, into that uh, work? No. What I'm trying to say is that there are certain things that we have learned we may not you know, make reference to it as far as our building, you know, of our faith life is concerned. But when it comes to the subject of faith, it is an integral part of both the foundation and the building. Remember, by grace, we have been saved through faith. Hallelujah. You came into Christ by faith. And it's important that you and I appreciate faith and the way it behaves. Faith has various characters, various behaviors. And this morning, God would want me to bring a subject I have captioned, faith always speaks. Can you say it? Faith always speaks. If somebody says he has faith, and that's, that faith does not reflect in his or her speech, 
from time to time. And in fact, often, chances are that the person has not understood the faith life yet. It was in that context in the book of James, chapter 2, I'll be making reference to that. It was in that context that James said that uh, faith without works is dead. Then he said, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. He was talking about faith that has a corresponding action. And you even discover from what I'm going to share with you, 2 Corinthians 4.13, can we go there? You will discover, and even subsequent verses, that faith has two... What word can I use to describe it? Faith has two legs, maybe for want of a better expression. Faith has two legs. Okay? Faith has what? Two legs. Maybe as I read, we can get a better word than leg to, exp to explain it. In other words, faith acts in two major ways. 2 Corinthians 4.13 and I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. He says, and since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Someone say faith always speaks. When I say faith has two legs or faith has two major what is the word? It's here in this, in this verse. It's believing and speaking. If you believe and your belief does not ultimately show in your speech, that is not faith. Why? Because in that same James chapter 2, maybe before we even finish, you will see James 2.19. Let me show you. James 2.19. Apostle James made a reference to the devils also believing. Except that they can't speak what they believe. James 2.19. Yeah. He said, you believe that there is one God. Then he said, you do well. Even the demons believe. The King James says the devils. Even the demons believe and tremble. So, it's not only believers in Jesus Christ who believe that there is one God who is the judge of all, who is the savior of mankind. Even the demons also believe. They know and they believe that there is one God. They know that Satan is their master who commands them to do A, B, C. Yet, they believe that there is one God and that is not Satan. They know. Until scripture revealed this, probably you and I might not have known. They believe that there is one God. The difference between the devils, the demons, and us is that the demons believe but they cannot speak what they believe. They cannot confess Jesus as God. They cannot confess 
Jesus as Lord. Do you know why? The day they confess that Jesus is Lord or there is one God. Like I know that there is one God, the judge of all. Because once you say there is one God, you are making reference to the judge of all. By virtue of that confession, they are only fast forwarding their judgment. They know that their judgment is due. When Jesus walked the earth, for instance, whenever he appeared, they would cry out and say, Jesus, we know who you are. You are the son of the most high God. Have you come here to, to, to destroy us before our time? They know that there is a time for their destruction. And Bible calls it being cast into the everlasting fire. Matthew 25 verse 41. Cast into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The demons know this. That there is a time for their destruction. The only difference is that though they know and they believe there is one God, they dare not open this their mouth and say that Jesus is Lord. In fact, I want to believe that the moment, the moment a demon says Jesus is Lord, they can set the whole hell on fire. Are you there? In other words, they will bring chaos into their own kingdom. They will bring confusion. That is why those who have had experiences with people who practice, you know, other things other than in Christ, they say that name, don't mention it here. Why? You, you know that song? We used to sing a song. I mean, there's an old song. You know, you know that song in this country? What, what kind of name is this? Somebody went into the, you know, the midst of people who do not believe in Christ. And then he mentioned the name Jesus unconsciously. And hey, he sets the whole camp into confusion. There is a name that they don't confess. They believe that Jesus is Lord, but they cannot confess. Hallelujah. So back to 2 Corinthians 4.13. We, having the same spirit... The word spirit there has to do with character. So faith has a certain character. If we are people of faith, if we were saved by grace through faith, then as a faith people, we must learn this character because if you do not know and do not learn that faith always speaks, you will believe and stop at believing. And that is not faith. You believe in your heart that he said you do well. The demons also believe and tremble. In fact, they tremble that, hey, that name, I dare not open my mouth and confess him as not because they will scatter their own kingdom. Second Corinthians 4:13, once again, it says, We and since we have the same spirit of faith, so the faith that the people of old exercise is the same faith we have. Like Moses, like Elijah. You see all those demonstrations of faith. Bible says it's not a different faith that we have been given. It's the same spirit of faith. Sometimes when you read some of the things that the people of old, or even in the book of Acts, demonstrated, you are likely to belittle yourself and, and condemn yourself that you do not match up. They also had their weaknesses. James tells us, James, Apostle James tells us that we, you know, um, he says that God is mindful of our infirmities. He, he, he says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It makes tremendous power available, dynamic in his working. That's how the Amplified puts it. And then he talks about Elijah was a man of like passion as we are. Elijah 
if you don't take care, you are likely to worship him in his days because the man was a firebrand. You touch him, you won't go scot-free. Are you there? There was a time they addressed him, thou man of God. He said, if I be a man of God, then let fire come down and consume you. And fire came and consumed them. 50 people plus their captain. In fact, it happened about two or three times. Then the last group, when they came, they said, Master, we know that, you know, but have mercy. Come on. So if you read about such a person, you may wonder that, can I exercise this kind of faith? The Bible says that we have the same spirit of faith. How about someone like Moses? Who stretched forth his hand. God told him that, why are you crying? Stretch forth your hand towards the sea and divide it. A human being told by God to divide the sea. Ever heard that before? Dividing the sea into two. But as this, it was an act of faith. If not faith, you won't, you, won't, you won't demonstrate. You won't even dare. But it was an act of faith. And the Bible says we have the same. It says, and since we have the same spirit of faith. Do you know the difference? The difference is that we have not exercised our faith enough. Just like sometimes you can have good muscles, but you don't exercise enough. So the moment they put you on the, on the, on the pitch in a race, you find yourself degassing because you are not exercising your muscles. Faith must be exercised. If you have not exercised your faith, for instance, to trust God for a bicycle, you cannot start exercising your faith to trust God for an aeroplane. It doesn't work like that. It's just like a child is born as a toddler and that child grows through stages until he becomes mature and then becomes responsible and can acquire big things. So you don't get up and say that, oh, this is a five-year-old child, and the child should go and sit in the Mercedes-Benz and drive. You will hurt the child. Likewise, our faith must be exercised if we are to see the very things that God used the people of old to do. We must learn to exercise our faith. And one thing we are learning in this season of the prophetic is faith always speaks. Meaning that you must use your faith to bring to pass what God has already spoken. Can I say that again? You must do what? Use your faith to bring into manifestation what God has already spoken. He has said it. The Bible says that once have I spoken, twice have we heard that power belongs to God. He speaks once. But what God has said must be taken personally and be spoken forth. Prophecy has two dimensions. Foretelling and foretelling. Two dimensions. What? Foretell. To foretell means to, to tell it before it happens. God has told us this year that it's our year of glorious emergence. There is nothing anybody can do about it. But it is my responsibility to believe the word and now speak it forth. He has foretold, but I must take it, believe it, and, and tell it forth. And for, when it comes to telling forth, it's personal. You are not telling men. If you tell men... They may discourage you. They will tell you that, are you crazy? You are saying that this year, you, you, you don't even have, you don't have A, B, C, and you are saying it's your year of glorious emergence. But you know the word is yours. You believe the word is yours. So in your closet, between you and God, and whenever you are, you are in your closet, remember Jesus Christ is the high priest of our confession. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, he is what? The high priest. You see, and the high priest always receives the sacrifices from the priest and offered it at the altar. 
And Jesus Christ as a high priest is always waiting for our confessions. Bible talks about the fruit of our lives, giving thanks to his name. There is, there is something about the use of our tongue in the New Testament era that was not so strongly emphasized under the Old Covenant. Because under the Old Covenant, their sacrifices were physical. Sacrificing animals, shedding blood here and there. But in our time, the Bible talks about the cows of our lips. The cows of what? Of our lips. You see, calf is, uh, is the baby of a cow. But here, he talks about the cows of your lips. Giving thanks to his name. Speaking forth what you believe in your heart. That is a sacrifice. Like we sing that song, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. You cannot, you cannot say that in your heart and stop there. You must say it with your mouth and really sacrifice. And we offer unto thee the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we offer unto thee the sacrifices of praise. We having the same spirit of faith. I'm reading King James in my mind, but this is New King James. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore spoke. Two legs, two dimensions to faith. Believe and therefore spoke. Then he said, we also believe. And we stop there. Is that what he said? We also believe and therefore speak. Can you tell your neighbor, those who are watching, speak what you believe. It means it starts with believing. But don't stop at believing because the devils, the demons also believe and tremble. But when you believe and truly believe, it will show in your speech. Hallelujah. Alright. Romans 10 buttresses the same point. That's how we came into the kingdom. Please take note. That's how we were born again. Romans chapter 10. I'll pick it from verse 8. Also from the New King James Version of the Bible. There were so many things that were said earlier on. But let me pick from verse 8. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth. And in your heart. So faith has two dwelling places. Did you see that? Faith has what? Two dwelling places. It dwells where? And remember the word he's talking about here is the word of faith. You see it very soon. He said, what does it say? The word is near you. Sometimes we are wondering, oh, so I want a word. God is saying the word is near you. It's so close. Closer than the breath in your nostrils. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Did you see that? So the word of faith, the, the, the spoken word, the faith that brought us into the kingdom, once you are born again, listen, once you receive Jesus Christ, you believe the gospel and confess that he is my Lord, you are automatically born. You are catapulted. It, the believing makes you right with God. And then the confession releases you from the kingdom, from the domain of darkness into the domain of light, into the domain of God's dear son. That's where we dwell. He says once you are there, there is something that is in your heart and in your mouth. It's called the word of faith. 
Now it's up to you to use that same faith to make a difference. The believing you had in your heart that Jesus Christ indeed took your place, died your death, went to hell in your name, and therefore, and when he rose from the dead, he saved you, that believing is still in your heart and it's in your mouth. So he says in verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Did you see our salvation? Then verse 10 clarifies it. It says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And I tell you, there are so many people who have believed the gospel, but they are afraid of persecution. So they have never confessed the lordship of Jesus. They have believed. And remember James 2.19, the demons also believe and tremble. Faith has two legs. It has two dwelling places. It has two dimensions. Two major dimensions. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. Is there a full stop? It's comma. And that's a conjunction telling you that you can't do one without the other. You must do this and add the second. It's just like it's, you are effective when you walk on two legs. You can walk on one leg. I hope you know that. But you're not as effective. If we are to do a race right now, and somebody's going to run on one leg, and another person is running on two legs, even if the one running on one leg is the fastest, you know, uh, whoever, still the one on two legs may have some advantage. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth. Somebody say, my mouth is a tool to catapult me into my destiny. I'm telling you, you'll see it very soon. I'll show you in Joshua 1.8. I'll end with that. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. That is how we came into the kingdom. Please take note. You believe with your heart. And when you confess that Jesus is Lord, you were translated. It's, it's, a, it's a must. I have heard people say that, okay, how about those who are dumb, who cannot speak? Is that your concern? I'm asking a question. Is that your concern? God knows how to save those who don't have mouth. Were we not in trade fair when we had people who could not speak but were in church and they had, you understand? God knows how to save such people and he knows how to lose their tongue also if they need to speak. Hallelujah. That brings to mind a man like uh, John the Baptist's father. He, his mouth was shut by an angel, but the day they were naming John, they gave a different name. And then the father said, no, 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 bring me a slate, a table, a tablet. Let me just write. And then he wrote John, and immediately his tongue was loose. So God knows how to lose our tongues. So don't concern your, don't, don't make it, uh, okay, how about those? Okay, that is why he told us that when we go, we should cast out devils. Assuming there is a devil behind that dumbness, you cast it out. Jesus did it. Bible says that he cast out devils, and the dumb spoke, and the deaf heard. So it's my responsibility to exercise the gift of working of miracles, and the gift of faith, and the gifts of healing to bring salvation to those who are dumb and deaf, or deaf and dumb. So don't say that. Well, you know, people have carnal mind and carnal reasoning. So everything they want to 
figure out how will it work with such a person. Just mind your own business. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and lead up individual to God. To his own master, he will, he will stand or fall. So it's got nothing to do with you. Hallelujah. All right. So with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and... And I, I want you to take note of the word and. It's there. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So faith always speaks. Faith always speaks. Now, let me end with Joshua 1.8. The book of Joshua. There was a very powerful instruction given to Joshua after Moses, the servant of God, was gone and he took command as the leader and the commander of the of the host of Israel God gave him a master plan and a key please take note remember we read in 2 Corinthians 14 4:13 that we have the same spirit of faith don't we we do have the same it's not different so when it comes to faith whether under the old covenant or the new covenant, it has a certain behavior, a certain character, a certain, a certain exhibit. And it is in Joshua 1.8, which we can learn from. Now, look at the instruction God gave Moses, um, I'm sorry, Joshua. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your brain. Is that what you found in the Bible? Shall not depart from your heart. Shall not depart from your head. Have you ever asked yourself, why didn't God use all those places? Because the word can dwell in your brain. I hope you know that. When we hear the word for the first time, it usually is our brain that processes it. What you hear, your brain starts, you know... Meditation is part of a process in our brain. But meditation does not remain in the brain. That's what he's showing us here. You will see in the verses very soon. There's something about the scriptures. Everything God tells us, it has the way to do it is also in the same instruction. That's the beauty of our work with God. So nobody will give an excuse and say, I didn't know. You will see that how to meditate and get results is right from this very verse we are reading. So he said, this book of the law, and he was very specific, shall not depart from your mouth. Why didn't God talk about from your heart? Because we know faith has two dwelling places, okay? It starts from your heart. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So why didn't he say, this book of the law shall not depart from your heart, shall not depart from your head, shall not depart from your brain, but he said from your mouth. There is a reason. All right. We'll see it. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. What has God told you and me this year is what? It's my year of glorious emergence. He says meditate. To meditate means to reflect, to ponder, to, to feast on. It matters what you feast your mind on. If God told you from the beginning of the year that it's your year of glorious emergence, it will not happen because he said it. 
Haven't you read from the scriptures that Satan is always looking for opportunity to steal the word from people's hearts? So God has spoken it, it's in your heart. But there is something God wants you and me to do after you have taken that word. You have believed it, unless you don't believe it. If you don't believe it, then you are not in that school. But if you believe it, then he wants you to take the next step after believing to do some exercise. Just like people get up in the morning and do some exercise. If you're going to run a race and you don't exercise, if you're going to fight a fight like a boxer and you don't exercise, you will, you will miss out. So my faith must be exercised. And we say faith always speaks. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. What God has said in his word, what God has told you prophetically, what God has prophesied to you, you must meditate. It must be a reflection. There are so many things that seek our attention in case you don't know. So many things, especially the things that are contrary to what you believe in your heart. They seek to take our attention. I'm telling you, especially when God says that you're going to be very, very rich, you can look at poverty and realize that you are surrounded by poverty. God says that he will use you to minister healing, but you can see that there is this infirmity, weakness, sickness, pain, that doesn't seem to go. It looks like a contradiction, but listen, let God be true, Romans 3, 4, but every man a liar. How do we make the word that he has spoken a reality? That's what we are learning. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Please, it's my responsibility, it's your responsibility to ensure that what God has said, you attend to it. Like in Proverbs 4, he said, my son, attend to my words. Pay attention. Meditate. And especially in our time where so many Avenues of news item. Traditional media, social media, everything is seeking attention. You are likely to drift and meditate on something else other than what God has told you. I'm just bringing this message at this time. This is the fifth month. It's our year of glorious emergence and you must do something to emerge gloriously. As an individual, God said our, but don't say that it's our so it will happen automatically to all of us. You have a role to play, to emerge in your own destination, in your own domain, in your own calling, to emerge gloriously. What God has said he would do, take advantage of his word and meditate on it day and night. Then he said, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Do you know something? You see, you may think this is under the old covenant, and so therefore, it was an instruction for them to just do do's and don'ts. No. You see, when God gives an instruction that meditate in his word, he was giving a key. The key to do his word is, I mean, starts from meditating on his word. For you to be able to do the word, like James says, be doers of the word. Until you meditate on the word, you won't be able to do it. You will even struggle. And you realize that you can't do it because you have not made it your, your, your primary meditation. So the word that is a very important key word there. It should not depart from your mouth. And I'll come back to mouth, okay? But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may be able, you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, uh, that is written in it. I'm still reading King James in my mind. For then... Look at it. For then you will. He didn't say I will. He said you will. 
Say, I have a role to play. You will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. The word you have believed. Listen, child of God, if you truly believe, and that belief is your meditation. Two things I've said here. If you truly believe, and that belief, the thing you believe is your meditation. You are pondering over it. You see, what we do is that we behave like Joseph. Joseph had a dream. And he had an, another dream that buttressed the first one. And it was so authentic, but his problem was that he started sharing that dream at an infantile stage. And at the infant stage, he was last but one. I hope you know that. There were 12 children. Benjamin was the last one. And then, from nowhere, this 11th born is talking about his sheaves stood and the rest of the sheaves of his brothers bowed to his. What do you think the senior brothers will do to you? I mean, they will hate you. There are some things that you know, you believe, at the believing stage, especially if it has not started showing forth, shut your mouth and meditate on it between you and your God because the day you tell another person, the person may even be in the faith, but we are not all at the same levels of faith. The person can help you miscarry. Do you know miscarriage? Where the person will tell you that this one is not possible. And the moment the person said it's not possible, you've had abortion. It is ectopy. The thing will just leave your body and it's like, and then you will not take somebody's word instead of God's word. Meanwhile, God spoke to you. Joseph's problem was that the second dream, he should have learned a lesson because the first one, they hated him. The second one was even bigger. In the second dream, not only his brothers bowing to him, now he said the sun and the moon. And Jacob, being a prophetic person, understood what sun and moon meant. The sun represented he, Jacob. The moon represented his mother. So Jacob was like, what kind of dream is this? Are you saying that even me and your mother will come and bow to you? And the Bible says, and he pondered over the dream. Jacob himself was like, mm, this thing, what is this boy? But you know what happened eventually? Although Joseph will still have entered the throne as he saw it, I believe that the process could have been easier. But because he told his dream at the infant stage, when his father asked him to go and look for his brothers and see how they were doing, what did they say? Here comes the dreamer. When your dream has not materialized yet and you start talking about it, they call you a dreamer. And that dream can be, can be killed. It can be killed. Somebody shared something with me last week. And he was going to tell somebody who was taking care of him in school, blah, blah, blah. And the person is now abusing him because he has finished school and the person was expecting him to, you know, work with a certificate. But he's in love with ministry. Though he's helping somebody in some job and then he's getting some money here. He's in love with ministry. So he was like, he wants to go and tell this father figure who is a senior brother that I want to you know tell him that this is what I've been doing when I go and work I also go and stand in the street and preach and so in case you are insulting me this is what I told him don't do it so why his first thing I said don't do it after all that's what you do keep it to yourself 
One day, when that thing matures, he will say it. But why are you going to tell him? Say, I just want him to know that this one. I said, no, you think that will excite him? It will not. Then I gave him an example. I said, when Saul met Samuel the prophet as a young man, and the Bible says Samuel told him about kingship. First, he told him about his father's lost donkeys. That don't worry about the donkeys. They are found. After all, God used that drama to order your steps to meet me. But I'm telling that the donkeys have been found. So rather, the, rather than you trouble about the donkeys, they are rather troubling about you. So don't worry. But there is something about kingship. You're going to be the first king of Israel, blah, blah, blah. Do you know when Saul and his servant were going back home, they met an uncle, Saul's uncle, who asked him, where have you been? We found the donkeys, but then he so said, oh, we went looking for the lost donkeys of my daddy. Then the uncle said, but they have been found. Then the uncle asked him something. But what else did Samuel tell you? Because he told him that we met Samuel the prophet. And the Bible says, he told his uncle about the lost donkeys that have been found. But the concept about the kingship, he did not tell his uncle. I said, that was wisdom. So I told him that this wisdom, there are some things, because he was then not a king. He had only been anointed. But the oil poured on you doesn't mean you are in the throne. If, I believe, if Saul had told his uncle that this is what Prophet Samuel says, that I'm going to, and they know Prophet Samuel, his words never fall to the ground. Once he's spoken, it will come to pass. But somebody would have terminated that dream at the infant stage. But that was the wisdom God gave Saul that this one, don't tell your uncle. All I'm trying to say is that there are some things you keep in your heart. Meditate on it, and then if it should come from your mouth, speak before God, not before men. Okay? Speak before God, not before men. Make Jesus Christ the high priest of your confession. With the heart you believe. And with the mouth, make confession. Tell yourself, this is my year of glorious emergence. Even when you don't look like it. Look into the mirror and prophesy to that person you are seeing the mirror. That you, you will see glory this year. Are you there? But if you go and tell someone that you know that this, I used to do that mistake. I'm telling you, I have done that mistake over and over. And that mistake landed me into many, many, many troubles. So I have learned my lesson. This is so many years ago. It's a lesson that I have learned and by experience and from the scriptures, I'm telling you that when it comes to materializing a prophetic word, whatever God has told you, if you believe it, start meditating on it. And if you truly believe and you are meditating on it, one day that thing that is in your heart will show in your mouth. But don't say it before men. Say it before God. Make it your confession. If you truly believe, then your faith will always speak. Because faith always speaks. What you believe will show in your speech. If God said that this year you will marry, and you go and tell some people who are also trusting God for, for, for marriage, and probably they are more well-placed, they are well-placed than you, and they have some advantages over you, they will look at you with some jealous eye. Meanwhile, you know in your heart that this is yours. Hallelujah. Can we practice what we are preaching? We have some few minutes. I want us to practice what we are preaching because I don't know about you, but I believe with all my heart that this is my year of glorious emergence. And I choose to make that confession. The, the key about the confession is that what you say 
in the realm of the spirit. This is advantage we have in the new covenant. Under the old covenant, they might not have known this. But God, by revelation, makes me aware that anything you say with your mouth, if you believe in your heart, that thing is sown as a seed. You see, we have made seed, or we have made seed to look like it's only a reference to money. But oftentimes, when scripture refers to seed, he's talking about the word. The word being the precious seed. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. He was talking about the word. Shall doubtless come again, bringing his sheaves. He said, come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. What do you say as the seed from your lips will one day become a fruit? Hallelujah. If God said it, believe it, confess it, and you will see the fruit thereof. This is the key, and we're going to practice that very soon. Whatever God has said, when you say it back to yourself in the presence of God, not in the presence of men, how many hours do we spend in church? Maximum two hours, and we are gone. But whilst at home, whilst on that vehicle, whilst in that neighborhood, whilst cleaning, whilst doing whatever, make that declaration to yourself, the confession of your faith before God. Whenever you say the same thing in agreement to God's word, the first time it's a seed sown. How many know that? And how many believe that? You have sown a seed. And a farmer will tell you that every seed must be nurtured. You must, you must guard that seed. You know, protect it from intruders. Because they are rodents. They are pests that will seek to destroy the seed. So you guard your heart with all diligence. That seed is from your heart. You believe it and you spoke it forth. But make sure that you don't allow intruders to come and, you know, kill it at the infantile stage. Then, when you say the same thing the second time, do you know what you're doing? You are watering that seed. So keep watering it. Keep watering it. Not before men, but before God. Keep. It's my year of glorious emergence. I know that this year I will taste glory. I will see glory. When you are praying, that is not a time for us to complain. You see, our prayer should be full of faith confessions than, uh, what do you call it, pleading for God to do what he has already done. You have not acted on God's word yet. How are you now telling him to do another thing? He has told you it's your year of glorious emergence. At least, that is what I know that this year he has said. And even 2022, he says it's a year of what? Greater glory. And if you don't take taste of the glorious emergence, how do you, how will you taste of the greater glory? So we must pass through this path, certainly, if we are going to experience greater glory in 2022, we must emerge gloriously. As individuals, we must emerge into our domain, and as a house, as a people, we must emerge gloriously. How many believe that? Glory be to God. So he says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You say the same thing in agreement, you are watering the seed. As you are saying, you are watering the seed. That one day, it may even be the same day, because in the things of the spirit, there's no time. It can even be the same day. Yeah. That's the beauty of our work with God. What would take somebody 20 years, you can achieve it the same day, because your faith was strong. Like Abraham, Romans 4, 17, Bible says he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. A man at, at 75 who was, I mean, had never had a son. And his wife was also old, past 
you know, uh, menopause. She was in her post-menopause stage. Bible says that Abraham did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. Neither yet, I mean, he did not consider his own body now being dead. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. I don't know whether there's any written account of how he gave glory to God, but I believe that he did it in the closet. And Revelation gives us, I mean, the, 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 the revelation of scripture tells us that he was giving glory to God. I want to believe that in his old age, he believed that God, I know that I'm going to have my own son. Yes, I know that I must have messed up and brought Ishmael somewhere along the line, but I know that my own son from, from my loins through my wife will happen in the name of Jesus. He was giving glory to God. And I know that this seed will, will possess the ends of the earth. I know that out of this seed will come the Messiah. He was giving glory to God. That is the way to pray. I thank you, the Lord. This is my year of glorious emergence. As you are saying it, you are watering the seed. One day, it could be the same day, the seed will germinate. And once it germinates, it's still not over yet. Allow the, the, the seedling to grow to a tree. And that tree to begin to grow branches and leaves and flowers. And then ultimately, bear fruit. Do you know it doesn't matter which devil that is hatched out of hell. Once you get to the fruit stage, the Bible says death and life are in the power of where? The same mouth. The tongue is in the mouth. Is that not so? It's in the power of the tongue. And those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The word love, those who are committed to it. You've got to be committed to the word that it's our year of glorious emergence. Don't take it lightly and then we hang it, our year of glorious emergence, and then you are just looking at it. no. Be committed to that word. I'm asking the question as I close. What has God told you? Maybe you are not picking your word from that general word. But what has God told you specifically that this year he would do? Will you take him by, by, I mean, will you take him at his word? Will you believe it? Will you start practicing in your clothes? And when you get up in the morning, don't start complaining, God, today too, I don't know, I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know where food is going to come from. I don't know. God, this is difficult. Oh, God, uh, why me? No, we don't do that. I like Moses' place. He says, too faithful to fail us. Our God, eh? Listen, he says he knows how to take care of the bears of the air, the lily of the valley. Will he, he said, will he not clothe you, O ye of little faith? There is something about this God. If we will believe him every day, he will take care of us every day. There are times where it looks like, oh, where will help come from? But by the close of the day, you realize that, ah, I did not only survive, I thrive, I flourish, and I've overcome. My God is able. Hallelujah. Will you kindly stand to your feet? I want us to practice what we have heard. Practice it. Take God by his word. I don't know what word you have heard this year. Or what word you have been holding on to in years past. See, if God said it, let God be true. But every man a liar. There are times where somebody can meet a doctor and the doctor can tell you that this one, there's no hope. This one, you have just three months to leave. And it is medically factual. Please take note. 
medically what the doctor is saying is a fact based on scientific you know research it's a fact but we have learned in this house that faith does not deny the facts if the doctor says that you have three months to leave don't say how what will be the, the response that we should not say sometimes some people say that no it's not me I mean, minus me, you know. If minus you is based on the fact that you are not denying the fact, that's okay. But some people say that, oh, it's not me. It can never be me. But factually, what the doctor is saying is a fact. It's a medical fact. But what faith does is that it doesn't deny the fact. It uses the truth of the word of God to change the fact. And the two are not the same. Living in denial is not faith. It is actually foolishness. Let me put it bluntly. Living in denial is not what? It's not faith. It's foolishness. Some people live in denial of their situation. And I've given an example that when we, when we started learning the language of faith in the early 90s, somebody, like we would go to church and then, you know, first offering, second offering, you know, project offering, every offering. So you give all your money and then you come and stand by the street looking for who will help you to go home. Then this person will walk to you and say that, please, today I'm too fully loaded. I'm fully loaded that can you help me to, you know, transport myself from here home. It sounds like faith, but it's living in denial of the facts. What is wrong if you say that I don't have money with me now? It doesn't mean that you will not have, but I don't have money with me now. Can you help me? You see, you are, talking, you are talking the fact, but it does not change, it does not negate your faith. But don't live in denial. There are a lot of people who have lived in denial until before they realize the very thing has eaten them up and killed them. And they called it faith. Doctor says there is cancer. It's not, it's not, uh, what do you call it? Don't say that it's not true. Aha, that is the way to, oh, it's not true. You are lying to yourself. Factually, he has identified something. Well, if you are not sure, you can confirm it from other places. So there is. It's a fact, medically. But the truth is that by his stripes, I was healed. Amen. And if I was healed, First Peter 2 tells us, by whose stripes you were healed. So if I was healed, and whatever God does shall be forever, then I'm still healed. So though I feel pain, and the doctor says cancer, cancer, you're not supposed to be there because I was healed. The same person that healed me is the same yesterday, today, forever. So cancer, lose your grip and go. Hallelujah. You use the truth of the word of God to change the facts. But don't say it's not there when it is there. Bible says our light affliction, which is but for a moment. It is. So faith does not deny the fact. Don't live in denial of facts you see. So many people have made that mistake and they have landed into trouble. But today you can change the story. I don't know where you have found yourself, but I see a people who are transplanted from wherever they found themselves onto a pinnacle. I see a people on the top of a mountain and I see a people who are so rich and so dusted and so fully loaded. They have everything that they need to do the work of God without sweat. I'm telling you with all my heart, it is truth I'm speaking and it will come to pass in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our year of glorious emergence. Open your mouth, child of God, those listening who are watching, open your mouth and take God by his word and begin to speak to yourself. 
learn to make this declaration before God, not before man, and tell yourself it's my year of glorious emergence. I will taste of his glory. I will experience his glory. The beauty of the Lord rises upon my life and shows him alive. From glory to glory, he's changing me. From glory to glory, from grace to grace. Andes pro Open your mouth, child of God, and begin to practice faith. Faith always speaks. Faith always speaks. It has something it believes, and it has something it will speak. Speak the word. Don't deny the facts of your circumstance, but use the truth of the word of God. God's word came, and then you had faith. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The faith that you have is more than enough to use to change the facts of your circumstance. Hey, doctor says that this womb cannot conceive. It's a fact. But you can use the truth of God's word and say, none shall be barren in the land. He said, you shall serve the Lord and he shall bless your bread and bless your water and take sickness away from your maze. He said, nothing, nothing shall cast its young. In other words, there shall be no miscarriage. Nothing shall cast its young nor be barren in your land, including you and your business and your projects. Hey, Karabarankosh, it means you shall be fruitful. Your body shall be fruitful. Your business shall be fruitful. Open your mouth and use the truth of God's word. Speak what you believe and change the facts and the circumstance of your life. Use the truth of God's word to rewrite the story. You might have found yourself in the valley. You might have found yourself in that in that situation that is uh, that is so unbearable. But God, there is no temptation that has overtaken you except such as is common to man. He said, but God is faithful. He is full of faith. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But he with the temptation will also make the way of escape so you can bear it. Tell yourself, don't say I'm stranded. Don't say that I, there is no way out. He said there is a way out. There is a way of escape. You are coming out stronger. You are coming out better. You are coming out wiser. You are coming out with the grace of God strong upon your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, like Abraham, you shall be strong in favor, giving glory to God in the midst of your situation, in the midst of that unpleasant situation, in the midst of the hardship, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the trials. There is a way out. There is a way out. When men are cast down, you shall say, there is a lifting up. Open your mouth and say it. There is a lifting up. I will rise. I will arise and go back to my father. Probably you must have messed up. You might have messed up like the prodigal son, but you can tell yourself that because there are many servants in my father's house who have enough to eat and to spare, I will arise and go back to my father's house and say, Father, I am sorry. When you tell him I'm sorry, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Open your mouth and speak forth the word. What God has told you, what God has foretold, you must tell it forth. You must foretell you must, you must, you must tell it or tell it forth. You must speak it forth. And what you speak forth will show forth. You will always go in the direction of your words. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, let God be true. But every man a liar. That circumstance is not going to kill you. It's not beyond your ability. It's not beyond your capability. It's not beyond your strength. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. But he with a temptation will also make the way of escape so you can bear it. I see a way of escape. I see a way out of that situation. 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, under the separate indigrigaga, yeah, propapa, ikatagrigagente so paria, indirimimimimikotoja, I will arise and go back to my father. It's a day that wait upon the Lord. They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. I see a people arise out of obscurity. Arise out of shame. Arise out of reproach. What was meant for reproach is bringing glory. Beautiful ashes. The oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness.